Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli. Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. Yes, it's time for another Market Spotlight, and this is to help educate you and share the opportunities that we have around the United States. And in this case, it's specifically in Southwest Florida, and we are talking about Cape Coral, Florida. Before I tell you why Cape Coral is one of the best markets for real estate investing today, remember to subscribe to the show if you haven't done so already. Just click the subscribe button on your iPhone, your Android, whatever you may have, but just remember to subscribe so you never miss another episode that comes out every week on this show. And actually, I've been publishing about two episodes a week on average right now, sometimes three, and those are typically an Ask Marco episode where you are submitting your question for me to answer on the show. And I'm doing my best to get to all of them. There have been a lot, but I am trying to plow through them. So hang in there. So why is Cape Coral one of the best markets for real estate investing? Well, in summary, it is a very diverse economy and diverse market. It is a stable market. It has been continually growing. It is home to 32 Fortune 500 companies. And right now we have these newly built single family homes and duplex properties available in Southwest Florida. These are in solid blue collar areas that have, relatively speaking, high rents. And so when you have an area with high income and high rents, because those are the people who want to be renting, not buying, it makes for a very solid investment. There are high private sector employment opportunities in and around Cape Coral and Lehigh Acres. In fact, all of Lee County. So it's a solid employment market. And it is also one of the fastest job growth markets in the country right now. So Cape Coral is a relatively large coastal city. It's filled with canals located in Southwest Florida. The city core itself has a population of about 190,000 people, and it's made up of about 30 constituent neighborhoods. It is the 11th largest community in Florida, but Cape Coral is neither predominantly blue or white collar. It is a broad mixed workforce with blue and white collar jobs. Overall, Cape Coral is a city of sales and office workers, service providers, and professionals, which for me is fantastic as a landlord. And there are a especially high number of people living who work in office and administrative support, roughly 14% of the population. Another 13.5% are in sales jobs, and about 10% are in management-related occupations. The educational level of Cape Coral citizens is a little higher than the average for U.S. cities and towns. Roughly 23.3% of the adults in Cape Coral have at least a bachelor's degree. And the per capita income in Cape Coral is almost $29,000 per person, obviously, per capita. But the median household income is interesting. Now, Jim has given me a slightly different number, and it really depends on where you actually look up the data and the year that it's coming from. But I'm showing that the median household income is over $56,000, which is pretty close to the U.S. median household income of $60,000. And keep in mind that when you're looking at the entire country, you are factoring in all of the big tier one markets like the San Francisco's, New York's, Manhattan's, Los Angeles's, etc. So a very high income. And when you compare that to the median price of a home in Cape Coral, 
which is in the upper $100,000 to low $200,000 range, those numbers are very attractive. It makes it an affordable market. So Cape Coral is a very economically diverse market, but it's also a very ethnically diverse city. A lot of people who live there are from all over the world, a lot of Germans, and Cape Coral has predominantly English-speaking people, but there are also a lot of Spanish and German-speaking people. Lastly, Cape Coral has a lot of people living there, like I said, from outside the country, and it's roughly about 15% of the population. So in just kind of tying up some comments about Cape Coral before I get to my interview with Jim, our provider out there, in the last 10 years, Cape Coral has experienced some of the highest home appreciation rates in any city or community in the country. The Cape Coral real estate appreciation rate has been over 101% over the last 10 years, which on average per year works out to be roughly about 7.24%. So this has been historically a strong growth market, very strong growth market. That actually puts Cape Coral in the top 10% nationally for real estate appreciation. And so Cape Coral definitely has been on track to record being one of the best long-term real estate investment markets in the country over the last 10 years. Now, over the last year, Cape Coral has appreciated still highly across the country, but with a more modest appreciation rate of about 3.3%. That's the last 12 months ending at the end of 2019. Over the last five years ending at the end of 2019, it was 38%. The average annual appreciation rate over those five years have been 6.7%. Now, the reason I'm throwing you these numbers is because I want to put this into perspective that Cape Coral has been, historically speaking, a growth market, strong appreciation. I mean, when you have five, six, even 7% appreciation rates, average annual, that is very strong in terms of equity growth. So, the median home value right now is about $250,000. I'm just rounding these numbers off. And 37% of all the houses in the Cape Coral market are a modest $119,000 to $239,000. So again, a very affordable market. Last but not least, the rent growth has been incredibly strong. It is actually the 93rd percent strongest growing rental market in the country. And what I mean by 93% is that is the percentile score relative to all other metro level markets. So it has experienced very strong rent growth. It's my pleasure to welcome my provider, Jim, back on the show. He is actually one of our providers in multiple markets, and we've been working with him for many years. So he's been fantastic for us and fantastic for our clients. And he's really our main guy down in Cape Coral, Florida. So, Jim, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Marco. Good to be here. Great to have you back on. I'm excited about today's episode because Cape Coral, Florida, some people know where it is, some people don't. Cape Coral, Florida is you know, considered one of the main markets in southwest Florida, right adjacent to Fort Myers. And the reason it's interesting to me is because, as I mentioned to you offline, I was actually down there pretty hot and heavy back in 2004, 2005, and into 2006, just before the housing market started to kind of unwind. And the interesting thing about that market is not only was I investing there, 
both in Cape Coral and in Lehigh Acres right adjacent to it. Mm-hmm. But we had at that time many investors buying there for two reasons. One, buy and hold for cash flow. And the other reason is they were buying new construction homes to buy, hold for in their strategy for a period of about a year and then just resell it on the retail market. And of course that, you know, well for a period of time, but then ultimately when the housing market softened, then ultimately collapsed because of the way things were going economically, some people were left holding the bag, as they say, or caught with their shorts down. I guess the point is, is that it's a very interesting market because it's a growing market, strong demand, lots of population growth, and it just seems to be a perennial market in terms of new construction. So let's talk about Cape Coral. Sounds like a great place to be again. And so from a high level, Jim, why should we be looking at Cape Coral? Why should we be investing in Cape Coral? Well, I think you hit on some strong things. And that's, I mean, the population growth, you're looking at almost a year year over year growth of 2% down there. Over 50% of the population in this area are between the working years of 20 to 65. So, you know, all the jokes that everyone's retired, there are retirees there, but there's also a very strong workforce there. And the median household income is 79,500, which is very healthy, very healthy for the area. And with all of these things, you know, we're a long ways, 12 years past 2008. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And you think, holy cow, 12 years. And at a time when there was things being, I think that some people started to build before there was people. Now there was such a tremendous, the pendulum swung the other way, Marco, and there was such a a halt on building. Now the municipalities have changed all the zoning because the report they just released said they are three years behind on needed rental property today. So that's a very exciting statistic for us and what we're doing right now. It's nice to have municipalities changing zoning and being so excited because the bottom line is people need rental property there now. The job market is strong and they don't want this growth to stop. So for builders who already have a good reputation, know how to work with municipalities like us in other areas of Florida, it's been a really, really promising opportunity. We're excited for what we're seeing so far. Yeah, that's interesting because Cape Coral, I did some research just before we started recording here. The rental growth relative to all metro level markets across the country ranks 93%. In other words, it's in the top 93 percentile or 93% of all markets nationwide in terms of rent growth. So that is very, very strong. Very strong. Very strong. And it makes sense, Marco, because when you start to look at the top employers for that area, a lot of them are more, quote unquote, essential. You know, as Florida didn't slow down through the pandemic for certain industries, a lot of the industries, you know, healthcare, local government, Walmart, Bayfront Health, these are things, Home Depot, Winn-Dixie, these are all big employers down there. And those have done very, very well, which only adds for more growth with such a steady, with renters who have such a base in in good job source. How's uh, Cape Coral faring with everything going on, specifically the coronavirus pandemic that we've seen over the last two, three months? Well, again, there are two things, and and this is a state-by-state issue, I think, We do new construction, as you know, Marco, about five years ago. I'd always done rehabs for 15 years before this. I've been doing this full-time 22 years, just seeing the writing on the wall and wanting to go into more markets, offer better properties for myself and people we worked with. We went new construction. New construction was considered an essential. So there was never a day where we stopped building, not one day through the pandemic. So our tradesmen were very happy. Our subs were very happy. They were getting paid. Our building lines were strong. 
they've gone through that. Also, going to different systems of keyless entry where you can have a brand new construction. We do duplexes down there. Mm -hmm. The people, the prospective tenants, where we have a whole system set up through our property manager where they would be able to see the properties with complete social distance, where no one has to meet at the property. They give the pertinent information. They're able to go into the property for about a half an hour, and then the code automatically changes. So we were renting properties faster the first two months of the pandemic than normally. And I think part of that was our property management company had seen certain writing on the wall, not that we saw this, but to go with that keyless entry. And it has been huge. That combination of a brand new house, new construction, and having the keyless entry system has been great. And with us being an essential in Florida, we kind of had favoritism in our niche. So that's been a really positive thing. So one of the things I like about Cape Coral and Lee County that Cape Coral is in is it's a very affordable market. Most of the housing, at least a third of it's between one hundred and twenty and two hundred and forty thousand dollars. It's certainly an affordable market, especially in comparison to the high household median income in the area. And you know you compound that benefit with low taxes, no state taxes, a landlord friendly environment, and the strong demand that you're talking about, it's an area that's ripe for real estate investors. It's good place and good timing. Yeah, yeah. And as you know, Florida is a landlord-friendly state. I was in California for years in Bakersfield, and that was that was not as friendly. But here, as long as you're doing the right things and you have proper management, it is a very fair state for landlords, which is something important and now in today's day and age, I think. Right. So as far as I know, the industries that are down there, the top five are made up of healthcare, retail, construction, interestingly enough accommodation and education. Of course, you know, you've got admin jobs and other types of stuff. So, you know, you've got a pretty broad spectrum of industry. Real estate makes a very small percentage of that. It's only 4%. So I like that. I like that spread. It provides stability in terms of the economics of that local market. Do you have any other comments about the local economy or the major employers down there? It's been so long since I've been there that I don't actually remember the dynamics of the employers and the economy. Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, the top 25 employers to go through them, like I said, most of them are healthcare, local government, supermarkets, Walmart, and then also a couple of other, like the sugar, one of the largest sugar companies, McDonald's has a big hub there, and Home Depot. And then the Ritz-Carlton as well, which is south, more south in Naples. But these are the main employers. Mm -hmm. So it gives, again, a nice diversity. And again, these are all, when you start to list all those things, these are all employers that have very well compared to some in through the pandemic. And so obviously jobs are an important thing to paying rent with those sources doing well and us having a median income of 78.5 and most of those based in those things I just said, that's been a really, really good thing. And again, with us building duplexes, remember there's a shortage in housing. So a duplex gives you that you know, low density feel. Not a lot of people are looking for high density now after what we've gone through. Yeah. We have a low density feel, but still for young families, which 50% of the workforce is between 20 and 60, you're getting that almost single family feel, but you're also able to get at a cheaper rent, which is very attractive for people right now. Sure, They're not wanting apartment buildings for the most part. I'm not in apartments, but I've been from my apartment friends, from what they've said, yeah, gosh, these high densities were we're getting a little pushback for duplexes where it's, you know, single entry, you're able to get that home feel, but also save them in rent. But at the same time, for the investor, you're able to have double rent coming in where it ups the yield a nice amount. So before we dive deeper into the duplexes that you're building, what they are, 
let's talk about where they are. Neighborhoods are important. I talk about that all the time. And I like to be in decent neighborhoods, kind of the blue collar and more of the bread and butter type neighborhoods or areas. Where are you building these? Because the interesting thing about Cape Coral for those listening is it's such a large geographic area. It's spread out so far and you don't see track housing. I mean, builders build wherever they can get available lots that are sold, (laughs) usually by individuals, but it's not really a master plan community, is it? No, no. But the good thing about these areas, like, you know, we have stuff 25th Street and blocks over. We are doing infill lots a lot. But the interesting thing about some of the area down there in Cape Coral, if you remember, there are dense areas like close to amenities, but the neighbors can have kind of a private feel and feel more spread out. That's why some of these have bigger lots than most people are accustomed to. Some of our investors said, wow, that's great. Mm -hmm. So right now, we, as you know, I follow that simple thing with our property manager, if we don't want to walk there at nine o'clock on a Saturday night to collect rent, not that we need to, but if we had to, we don't want to build there. So we are right now to give the overall parameter with our infill lots, we want to have an A property and a B neighborhood. We've considered an A property because it's brand new construction with the 210 warranty, all the upgrades that most people are looking for. So that's our kind of rule of thumb for the overall Cape Coral and the other areas we build in Southwest Florida. Something we didn't mention early on, which is an interesting fact and tidbit about Cape Coral, is there are more canals, man-made canals, in Cape Coral, mileage-wise, than there are in Venice, Italy. I'm sure you knew that. Yes, I did. I did. As you know, it's a beautiful area, and for everything that's there from just the different museums and lagoons and waterways, it's a very outdoorsy area. And for young families that are moving there now, that's a huge attraction. Yeah, it is. Okay, so you're pretty much focused on B-class neighborhoods and uh, you're building new construction duplexes. Let's talk about that. Describe the duplex. How big is it? How many beds, baths? What's the price range and the rental income? Let's just go through the whole gamut. Sure, sure. Yeah, so we're building two bedroom, two baths mainly down there. That's what we've seen is in highest demand. We will do some three twos, but we found that for what our people are looking for, the duplexes that are you know, about a little over 2,300 square feet, that they're two bedroom, two baths with covered lanai's, and they're going to rent for probably twelve twenty five a unit, and we're getting in around the two seventies. Those are what we're kind of working with in the Cape Coral area. We'll also do some single family homes that are over sixteen hundred square feet, four bedroom, two bath, but those are a little more sparse. Mm-hmm. Our main focus is the duplex, Marco, because two reasons: first of all, they're in high high demand, and secondly, we know that we can get our investors that higher yield with the double income coming in on the property. Those are single attached garage? We have two models, one where there is a garage, one where there is no garage. Okay. All right. So these homes have a 210 warranty. You want to explain that? Yeah. You know, I've done normal turnkeys, you know, taking an old house, fixing it up and, and renting it for a long time. I still own a lot of those properties. Uh, But normally on those, you could only get a one-year warranty. I found with new construction, we're able to get what's called a 210 warranty. And basically, and I can go more into it or or the counselors can, Marco, two years you get covered on the smaller stuff, and then you can get covered 10 years on the structural stuff. So that gives a a margin of safety for investors looking long-term. That's what I like about new construction. There's a lot less surprises 
it was a little harder to get into and there's a little more steps to it with the land and the developing and the approvals than just doing a normal old house fix up. But what we found is there's more of a margin of safety. There's more predictability. And one of the big parts of that is that 210 warranty. Again, two years on the small stuff, 10 years on the big stuff. That gives a lot more overall visibility for the property on more of a long term. Right. Okay. Perfect. That's always nice to have, especially with new construction, because there is no CapEx, there is no deferred maintenance, and maintenance comes along a lot further down the line than with often ready or even sometimes turnkey properties. So it's nice to have that new construction. That's why I'm a little biased towards new construction. However, having said that, given the take I often find is that you give up a little bit on the cap rate, although I don't judge a property based on its cap rate. It's very myopic. But, you know, the numbers don't necessarily always look as good on the front end, like the first year, the second year with new construction. However, it often makes up for it because of the lack of maintenance required in the beginning, in the early years. And also, this is more anecdotal, but I tend to find that they appreciate more so just because of the locations that they're found in in the first two, three, even five years compared to more established neighborhoods. Very much so. Yeah. So that's what I find is the give and take with new construction. So for someone who's interested in that, I mean, it's a great deal. It's a great way to build a portfolio. I want to talk about property management and rents and you know who's managing in the terms of the management. So let's talk about that a little bit because I, I still want to come back to something I couldn't remember before. I know it'll come back to me. <laughs> so Sure. Yeah. Again, when I started this new construction venture five years ago with my building partner, the way that we started, we had already been working on many, many deals together, not only properties, but also property management. I had let him take over him and it's a family-owned business. They owned a property management company and they took over the management of my own personal portfolio. And frankly, they did a better job than I was doing for myself, doing it myself. So there's a very interesting thing where we have where my building partner also owns the property management company that handles my personal portfolio. What I like about that is they have, it's very rare that a builder has a long-term interest in a property, but property managers don't like headaches. They like quietness. And that's when everyone makes more money. So we've really been fine-tuning on this with my property manager to continue to just carve the edges of this build-to-rent model. So they manage it now, really tweaked out a model for what's the most durable, what's the most attractive, what do people look for, what's the easiest way to get a turnaround done quick by the going right down to the way that we build them. And that's what our, our management company has worked with me for years, managed my own personal portfolio in most of the areas we're in, the average property manager would charge 10 to 12% for management. The deal that I worked out for myself and all clients I work with is 8%. So it's 8% of collected rents. And again, we've just seen the fact that we're being proactive up front, Marco, to try to build them the best way. And now the builder knows that their other arm will be dealing with issues if there are any. There's a big accountability that a lot of people don't have. And I'm really excited we do have it. Okay. That's good. Turnovers, they pretty quick. What's the length of time on that? And then uh, do you have an idea of what occupancy rates are right now with the properties you have under management? At this moment right now, we are at zero vacancy. Everything that we've built down in the Southwest Florida, uh, Cape Coral area mm -hmm. is rented. So we have no vacancy right now. Now we only do new construction down there. So I, I'm sure that would be 
probably a little bit higher of a vacancy if we were doing old properties, but we're not. So right now we're at zero. So that's really fantastic. So mm-hmm. as quick as we're building them right now, they're being rented. And with that said, it doesn't surprise me when the municipality is saying they're three years behind on rental property. So that's definitely to our advantage. Okay. Let's go back to the properties for a sec. I did remember what I was trying to ask you before and I forgot. I just had a lapse in memory. One thing that's interesting about a lot of areas in Southwest Florida, and this is probably true in pockets all around Florida, is that a lot of new construction homes are not necessarily tied to city services like sewer and water. They're on well and septic. And I think this is an important thing to just bring up and talk about so people are knowledgeable or educated about the differences because some people probably never even heard of what well and septic is. And most people are probably very much accustomed to having the plumbing in the house tied to city services, sewer, water, and all that kind of stuff. So what are you building? Yeah, we do a mixture of all. Sometimes we have city water and sewer. Sometimes we have city water and septic, sometimes well and septic. Here's what I've learned about, and I've again, doing this a long time, I've worked with well and septic for a long time on certain properties I own or rehab. The difference between well and septic that was built 60 years ago and today is apples and oranges. For example, my building partner lives west of Jacksonville in a very nice horse ranch. He's on well and septic, and he says he'd never want to go back to city water and sewer. (laughs) Because if it's built right, it can actually be better actually save you money. So we work, market depending on the location of where we're getting it, the infill lot, the allowance of the municipalities, we'll work well or septic or city water and sewer. But what I've learned is people say, yeah, I don't know about well and septic. What it really comes down to, if it's built right to today's standards, you can actually be in a better, more economic situation than even being on city water and sewer. And then the ongoing maintenance of that? If ever, but how often does the septic tank need to be serviced? You are talking a clean out like every five years for a few hundred dollars. Is there any issue with having a septic tank that people should know about? I know they've been around forever. Again, the answer would be yes, depending on the property. A lot of times, Marco, you know, and we've worked on a lot of them together. I owned a lot of them. Sure. When you would get a home, let's say it was a foreclosure, I bought it and had a septic tank. Well, there was a lot of times, and these were septic tanks done in you know, the 1950s, 1960s. A lot of times the, the original house only had one bath, and then someone added a second bath. So now there were two baths on a septic tank that was only built for one bath. And so a lot of times you had to change out that septic. It just wasn't made for a two-bath home. So on older houses that you're rehabbing, old septics, yes, I found problems. Building it today's standards to the specs of the new construction home that we're doing, again, we're seeing the longevity to be very, very healthy and without issue. Beautiful. Okay, so we are in Southwest Florida, Cape Coral, Florida specifically. There's some pockets in and around the area, mostly new construction duplexes, two bedrooms, two baths, sometimes three bedrooms. Once again, tell us the price range and the rent range for these products. Yeah, you're looking for the average properties. You're going to go on our duplexes to the the two seventies to just over three thousand three hundred thousand. Okay, for our duplexes, and obviously location and rents will will play a factor into price points. But you're looking the two seventies to the early three hundreds. 
And those units rent for how much a month? You'll be getting usually about twelve twenty-five a unit, sometimes up to thirteen twenty-five, thirteen fifty a unit. Okay. So that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's in line with we often see with new construction. So Yes. Yeah. And again, a lot of people I've seen it for mine. The lower percentages, even when you have an old house and you do new roof heating and cooling, plumbing, upgrade, electric, baths and kitchens, the maintenance and repairs on a new construction compared to a rehabbed home are night and day. So we've even had our customers who are happy with their their turnkey properties that we bought and, and renovated, but they said, wow, now we see what you mean. The numbers show a little lower, but with the extremely lower maintenance and repairs, the performance has been really appreciated, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Good. Did I miss anything in terms of asking you questions? Anything else you want to share about the market or the investment opportunity down there? No, I think overall, just to recap, the reason I'm excited is the municipalities, we're not fighting to have to get zoning changes or approvals because they are behind. It all goes back to 08, like you said, Marco, where the building halted, the population kept growing. Now they're three years behind on inventory. We have a good reputation, so we've been able to step in. The job market is extremely strong with more essential companies that hadn't been on the front lines of the issues of the pandemic. The median income is just under 80000 And for the median price of a home being the high twos, that's a very good affordability index. And we're just liking the areas that we're able to build in. Again, that a class property since it's new construction in a B neighborhood. So just the overall feel and system has of Cape Coral has been really good. Yeah. Well, bottom line is you have all the ingredients for success there right now, you know, high income, strong demand, lack of housing, population growth, job growth, the fundamentals of the market are strong, the numbers make sense, landlord friendly state, you just have growth, strong demand, affordability, what more can you want? I'm, now, and as you pointed out with the new construction, a lot of our new construction in similar markets, we saw in the first year, and this isn't always going to happen, but it's happened a lot, 50 to $75 rent increase from year one to year two with F of about 30 grand on top. So that's a pretty good first year, especially in the demand phase that we're in. We're very happy to see that. We're very conservative. Anything, remember, it takes... Normally for a new construction, six to 12 months for it to be built and ready. We never have been aggressive. We build at today's values and today's rents. And obviously with those factors that you said, a lot of the times there's equity and higher rent at that time. And we love to see our investors get that. So that brings up an interesting question. Is there standing inventory or are these to be built properties? These are to be built properties. So there's a deposit that goes down towards the property. You're in a fixed price. Uh, there are no change orders. And we keep you a part of the process as it's being built. You know, through your portal, you'll be seeing the lining outs, the building, the framing, everything right up until the end. So it is an on-demand as we're building. You know, and as you know, we we sell out our inventory every month. So roughly speaking, what is the average length of time from deposit to certificate of occupancy? You're looking again, we try to get people in an average of six to 12 months. Okay. So it's a pretty wide delivery range. Yeah, depending on where it is. And for a lot of our people, I think you and I even have to talk, is new construction worth the wait? If we pulled our scores of investors, 
I think 99.9% would say absolutely yes. And the reason why is you put down your deposit and you say, is my money working? Well, in the areas that we're going poised for growth, where there's job growth, economic growth, population growth, we were seeing an increase not only in the values, lots of people closing with equity where the appraisals are coming in well above, but also rent increases from what we promised. So I say, this is the advantage of letting us do this. You know, and I know you've dealt with these, Mark, you know, a construction loan can be a little more tricky, a little more involved, a little more risk. You're not having to do that. All of the risk for the building phase is on us. Your deposit, obviously, will go right towards your down payment. But we take that risk phase and you get to enjoy the upside of the equity and the rent increases that could occur during that time frame. That's huge. For someone listening to this that didn't quite get what you just said, Jim, it's important to know that you're essentially putting a deposit down today. You're not going and getting financing. You're not having to carry debt. You're essentially riding on the builder's coattails and the market for the next six to as much as 12 months on essentially a just a builder's deposit on a property. And if there's any growth in rent or appreciation, that belongs to you. Yeah. So that's a sweet deal. And that's the way it actually was back in 2004, 2005 with some builders back in Cape Coral. But I remember there were two deals out there, two ways to buy property. One was what you just described, and that was favorable. The other option, which was more common, was you coming in with a construction to perm loan. So you put a deposit down, but you also had to qualify for financing for the construction. And then that construction loan modified into a permanent 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So you were on the hook for the whole thing. Even though it was rare to have a problem, your situation, what you have going on right now is much better. Yeah. So we take the risk of all that part of the phase and people really like that. Also, building a home, I remember the first property I built, there is that really, really ugly two-word saying change order. And man, that can really <laughs> hurt the numbers if you start to have, you know, you're not handling your builder right or your subs right and all these change orders come in. It can blow you out of budget and returns you projected. We, as you know, Marco, have a no change order policy. If there is a change order or something, you never hear about it. We take care of it. We have to suck it up. That's the obligation and promise we've made where people who have never done it might say, well, what's the big deal on that? But people who have done it say, wow, that's really nice that you have a no change order policy that they don't ever hear about any problems. That's on our plate and that's the agreement we made. Yeah, I love it. Great. Well, in closing, is there anything else you wanted to mention or add or are we uh, good in terms of covering everything? No, I think we're good in, in terms of covering everything. I mean, we love working with you guys. I think how you've set us up as kind of that hybrid market of of both cash flow and potential growth. You know, we never depend on growth, but we do our best to get in its way. And by looking for fundamentals like an area of Cape Coral and going new construction, I'm really proud for what we've been able to do for with a lot of Nevada people, giving them both those plays for just following the fundamentals. I love how you said that, Jim. You know, you can't control market growth or appreciation. You can't promise or guarantee it, but when you know there is growth, you can get in its way. I love that. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. It's <laughs> a good strategy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, no, we look forward to hearing from you. Obviously, anything we can do to help, we're in great hands with your team, but we look forward to uh, many more years together. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jim, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you too. Thanks for having us, Marco. All right, Jim. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again. Take care.
there you have it. Another great opportunity in Southwest Florida. In fact, all the markets that we've been in in the state of Florida have been tremendous opportunities from an investment perspective. So for more information, contact one of the investment counselors here at Norada Real Estate Investments and have them answer your questions, provide you some additional information, and uh, let you know what's available in terms of uh, opportunities there. So as a side note, we're probably in three or four different markets in Southwest Florida right now. So they include uh, Port Charlotte, Northport, Cape Coral, Punta Gorda, and of course, Cape Coral. And there's a few other little pockets in and around that whole area, but that's about a one hour driving radius in Southwest Florida. The biggest market there is probably Fort Myers, Cape Coral, but these are for the most part in Lee County. But again, that whole pocket down there is just booming in terms of growth. So strong demand is a good indicator for a market to look at as an investor. So take a look at it and contact your investment counselor if you have any questions about it. In wrapping up, uh, download your free report on the website, The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing. Schedule your free strategy session with our investment counselors. Remember, our services are at no cost. We don't charge you for anything at any time. We provide tons and tons of value and content and resources and knowledge, of course, and the properties come in at the tail end of all that. But uh, our services are at no cost to you. So there is absolutely no reason why you wouldn't want to work with us if you are building a real estate portfolio. That's it for today. If you haven't subscribed, remember to click that subscribe button. And thank you for listening. We will see you on our next episode. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate legal, tax, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. For distribution or publication rights in media interviews, please contact the host.